everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, New Point. How are we doing? I trust that you're doing good. I want to give a shout out to those of you in Canton and Worcester and Millersburg and Coshocton and Cambridge and in T County. And those of you who are joining us online, we're honored uh, to be able to have you with us. We're in this series called It Comes in Waves. And here's what we're learning. Mental health is the ocean. Emotional health is basically the waves. And you and I get hit by waves constantly. And what they want to do is they want to take us under, you know, like that current and drown us. And so we have to know how to handle the emotional waves of life that hits you and hits me. And so we realize that emotional health is the software. Mental health is the hardware. Now, mental health is the hardware, and it is impacted by our family history, how you grew up, the home that you lived in. It's also impacted by the experiences that you and I have gone through. Abuse, maybe sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, trauma. And then it's also impacted by biological factors maybe brain chemistry or genes. And what I would say to you is this, if you grew up in a very hard and difficult family, or maybe you have uh, experienced some trauma or abuse in your life, or or maybe the brain chemistry and the genes are, are challenging for you, then what I would encourage you to do is to get some professional help. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need that from time to time because it is so important that you and I have strong mental health. And sometimes we need people to be able to lead us and help us process those things that have happened in our life. Now, it's important that you and I become emotionally and mentally healthy because it determines how you and I handle life. It determines our decision-making process. If I'm not in a good state emotionally or mentally, I'm not gonna make good decisions. If I'm not in a good state emotionally and mentally, I'm not gonna be able to interact with people. I'm gonna struggle in my marriage. I'm gonna struggle with parenting. I'm gonna struggle at work. I'm also gonna struggle with managing stress and we all have to deal with stress. And so I need to make sure that I am constantly working on my mental and emotional health. I do it every day. I have things that I do every day to help me emotionally and mentally because life is not fair. Would you agree with me? Life can be hard. Life can be challenging. Those emotional waves can come and hit you and me and want to take you and I under. And God doesn't want that for you and I don't want that for you. Now, how do we do that? Well, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to download that podcast because I gave you a foundation. But one of the things that we have to do is we have to accept. We have to accept the things that have happened in our life. And that's hard. We have to accept the pain. We have to accept 
the hurt. We have to accept the abuse. We have to accept the suffering. And while it may not be our fault, it is now our problem. It is now our issue. I, I can't ignore what has happened to Dwight in the past 61 years. Maybe somebody did something to me. Maybe something happened to me. I can't ignore that. I, I have to come to a place of where I accept it and say, no, you know what, Dwight? Get your head out of the sand. This happened to you. And I have to own that because our words and, and, and our life flows from those things. And so I have to accept it. And it's my responsibility now to own it, even though I didn't cause it, even though I didn't bring it on. I now have to own it because you and I will never experience healing, will never experience freedom, will never experience emotional health unless we grasp a personal sense of accountability for what has happened in our life. Otherwise, I will continue to play the victim card. I will tell everybody what people have done to me or what they haven't done for me. And what happens is I will remain stuck and I will remain in an unhealthy place in my life. And I won't make good decisions. I won't have great relationships. Stress will destroy me. And I'll never move on to wholeness. I'll never move on to maturity because I have refused to accept what has happened to me. Now, I realize that, that acceptance is a hard pill to swallow but I have to accept it and then I have to begin to act on that if I'm going to experience healing in my life. You see, if I don't, if I don't accept what has happened to me, if I don't acknowledge what has happened to me, then what happens is this, my life and my emotional health and my mental health just gets worse by neglecting it. And so if you have been handed a legacy, maybe of alcoholism, Maybe you were violated through sexual abuse. Maybe you were neglected by self-centered parents. Maybe you were betrayed by a trusted friend or maybe even a spouse. Though you didn't choose any of those things, you and I must take ownership of those for ourselves if we're going to experience healing, if we're going to move on. Because if we don't, here's what will happen. Unhealed hurt becomes your filter for everything that you hear and experience. An unhealed hurt, an unhealed person begins to filter everything through that one situation that happened to them and it distorts everything. That's why an unhealed person, listen to me, an unhealed person is offended by almost anything that happens to them. They have an exchange with a person, they're offended. This didn't happen, they're offended. This does happen, they're offended. And a healed person understands that much of what other people do has very little to do with us. Y'all okay? But a hurt person, one who's not emotionally healthy or mentally healthy, what happens is we think that everything that happens through other people is about us and it's really not. And so I must accept this. I have a decision to make if I'm going to become healthy emotionally and mentally. And acceptance is a hard pill to swallow. I get that. 
but we must come to grips with it. It's now on me, even though I didn't cause what happened to me. And once we embrace this, once we decide, hey, you know what? I'm gonna accept the fact that I didn't grow up in a great family. I'm gonna accept the fact that I have been abused. I'm gonna accept the fact that I had to go through this trauma. I'm gonna accept the fact, whatever it is. Now what happens is we move into an area called grief. Because whenever you accept what happens to you, it's always accompanied by grief. And grief is a healthy part of life. Why? Because we live in a broken world. Listen, all of us experience losses every single day. Anybody have a perfect week? I didn't. There's some things that happened to me this past week that I've had to grieve over. And I've had to accept it. And I've had to process through it. And I've had to own it. And grief is more than crying. Okay, you say, Dwight, did you cry? I did, okay. But grief has to do with heartache. Grief has to do with your heart being broken. It, it's the pain, it's the difficulty, it's the loss, it's the hurt. But we have to deal with it. And mental suffering arises from any cause or sorrow that you and I experience or sadness. And so grief is literally interacting with my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions because it's the process in which I deal with my losses and my sorrow and my sadness and the consequences of it. You see, here's what I believe. Healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It means the damage no longer controls our life. You say, Dwight, have, have you been damaged? I have. I have. I've had things that have happened to me I wish would never have happened. But I've had to come to grips and I've had to accept it and I've had to grieve over it. I've had to acknowledge it. I've had to embrace it. And then I've had to take ownership of it. And I've had to say, hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not saying it never happened. I'm just saying, you know what, from now on, it's not gonna control my life because if I allow it to control my life, it'll affect my decision-making. It'll distort it. It'll come into every relationship that I have and it'll bring harm there. And I won't be able to deal with the challenges of life. And so here's what I know about all of us. All of us in one way or another have been damaged. We've been hurt either through someone or something. And we have to accept it. We can't, we can't ignore it. To ignore it is just to compound the problem. To ignore it is just make it bigger. We have to accept it. And then we have to grieve over it and process through those thoughts and those sadness and that pain. You say, do people really do this, Dwight? They do. I want you to listen to this story of Stacy because She's lived this out and she's, she's honest, she's vulnerable, she's transparent, she's raw in what she has experienced. But I, I'm so appreciative of her courage, of her willingness to say, hey, you know what? This is what has gone on in my life. And this is how I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm accepting it, I'm grieving over it and I'm taking responsibility for it. Would you check this out? 
So in January, we found out that we were pregnant. We'd been trying for just a little bit. And um, that's our third. So we were super excited. We found that out on a Friday. Um, and then Tuesday, Lee was getting ready to leave for Utah. And I called him because I woke up with some really bad stomach cramps. Um, so we went to the hospital. The doctors kind of said, you know, there wasn't anything that caused it or anything like that. And that was just kind of really hard way to start off the year. We ended up having to call our parents, um, having this hard conversations of, hey, you know, <laughs> we were pregnant. You guys didn't know it, um, but we actually lost the baby. Um, and my mother-in-law had said, you know, I'll come and bring you dinner. And during that time, Lee and the boys decided they'd kind of lay on the couch here and they would take a nap. And so I was watching TV and I won't forget, it was CSI. I will never forget what we were watching because um, the screen went white and I was kind of like, what the heck? And um, gold letters were written on the screen um, and it had Cambry's name on it. Um, and I woke Lee up and I was like, hey, you know, this just happened. God kind of is talking to us because um, I instantly felt calm about it. And I said, you know, if we have a third child and it would be a girl, this is what God wants us to name her. And if not, then uh, that's the name of the baby that we lost. So we ended up getting pregnant in April. Um, and I just kept saying, oh, it's probably a girl. And Lee was like, well, you don't know that, you know? And so actually it ended up being a girl. Um, Lee went on another hunting trip um, in September. So we went down with my mom and we were just kind of hanging out. And the last couple of days that we were there, um, my parents both got sick. And so my mom said, you know, hey, you know, dad and I both look up sick. You know, you and the boys should probably go home just with COVID going around. We don't know what it is. So they took home tests. My dad's work provided them with home tests and they tested positive. So he drove her to the hospital um, and they just kind of put her on oxygen and they were just monitoring. Um, and they told her if it got harder to breathe then she could put the CPAP machine on. Um, but being claustrophobic, she was kind of like, I'm not doing any of this. So my brother texted me on Sunday morning and it said, mom coded, I'm on my way to the hospital, call dad. She just would kind of go up and down, up and down. Um, she ended up beating COVID. Um, and then a couple of days after she beat it, she got an infection in her lungs from the vent. So I'd call my dad and he actually ended up getting to go in um, and he would play her videos of the kids the whole time. And he said the only time that she would move or respond was when he'd play videos of the boys um, and of my niece. And so he would go in every day and play those. Um, she actually started to get better, beat the lung infection. Her numbers are going up and everything like that. And the doctors were kind of surprised. Um, the next day I went to work at the office um, and I went to pick Case up for, to take him to the doctor. And uh, my dad called and said, hey, I just got caught into the hospital, which was kind of unusual because he only goes in in the afternoons. And um, he said, they want me to come in and make life decisions. I just remember my mom and I were super close. Um, and so we had talked before about um, if some, you know, going in and being with her was something that I would want to do. And then they kept going, you can't because of your child. Um, when you're pregnant, you can't go into the hospital. And um, I remember feeling really mad, not just at, you know, the whole situation, but at Cambry, because she was the reason that I couldn't go see my mom. And um, it was something I didn't tell people um, that I kind of just kept to myself. Because um, who's mad at, you know, their unborn child? Um, that's not something that you do <laughs> or that you tell people. And then on top of not being able to see my mom, it was more of this, if I wasn't pregnant, then I could do this. 
if I hadn't gotten pregnant again, then I could go in and see her. And I don't think I really knew what I was holding on to and the anger that I had and stuff like that until um, I run a women's Bible study here on Thursday nights. And I remember some of them being like, like, why would you kind of bottle that in? And I think it was because I didn't want people to be like, you're, I'm mad at like a baby. Like, how can you be mad at a baby? I didn't even tell Lee. Cause I was like, how can I look my husband in the eye and say, hey, I'm mad at our child for no reason. Like there wasn't a reason good enough to tell people that I was mad. I just kept being mad. And so I was like, well, I'll just look up her name, you know, just to see. And so I looked up her name and Camry means change and Noel means rebirth. And I just remember crying being like, that was exactly like what we needed. And what a cool thing that God would give us such a name during two really difficult times for us that we hadn't really experienced in the past. He knew exactly what we were gonna go through and gave us, you know, the easiest baby in the world <laughs> who never cried, you know, anything like that. And so to have something like that after going through one, the miscarriage, but even two, you know, losing the person that was the constant in, you know, my life every day, um, the kid's life, you know, consistently when we would do things or things like that. Um, it made it just a little bit more special to know that God had given us that during that time because that's exactly what we needed. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be a part of a community that we can be vulnerable. We can be transparent. We can say, hey, you know what? This is what's happened to me. This is what's going on in my life right now. It's painful, it's hurtful. But I'm gonna accept it. I'm gonna grieve. I'm gonna own it. And with God's help, I'm gonna move forward. You see, healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It means the damage no longer controls us. Say, Dwight, how do I get there? How do I experience that? Because that's me, that's me. Well, Paul writes to the church in Rome and here's what he says. He says, so brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, we just celebrated communion. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At Dwight's very worst, God says, I love you. I'm for you. I care about you. Don't ever forget that, Dwight. That's why we participate in communion. It's to remind ourselves of, of his great mercy. He says, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. He says, your offering must be, check this out, your offering must be only for God and pleasing him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship him. You see, listen, true healing in my life and true healing in your life, emotionally and mentally and in every other way, will not happen unless first we empty ourselves completely. Healing is for those who fully surrender themselves 
to Jesus Christ. I'll never be emotionally and mentally whole unless I take this step. And, and, and if I don't, then I'll never, I'll never experience the wholeness that God has for me because it comes through a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And I need to surrender everything to him and say, God, you know what? I surrender my abuse. I surrender my trauma. I surrender my loss. I, I surrender my family. I surrender everything to you. You're greater than all of that. You see, if we don't do that, if you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. And this happens in marriages so much. We bring stuff into our marriage and we bleed over people who had nothing to do with our hurt, had nothing to do with our abuse, had nothing to do with, with, with what transpired in our life. But because we chose not to accept it, because we chose not to grieve, because we chose not to, to own it and said, you know what, with God's help and by God's grace, I'm going to be able to take steps We bleed on people who weren't even there, who had nothing to do with it. You see, what happens is we have to develop the foundation of this truth. God loves me. God is for me. And he has a plan for my life. Yes, there's things that have happened to me or maybe things that I needed in my life that have been omitted. But God, you love me and you know me, and you have a plan for my life, and you care about me. Paul goes on to say this. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. What's, what's, the, what's, what's the, uh, the customs and the behavior? I'm just gonna play the victim card constantly. I'm gonna tell you what they did to me and what didn't happen to me, and I'm just gonna remain there. I'm gonna be stuck. He says, but let God what? transform you in a new person by changing the way in which you think. And he says, if we'll allow God to transform the way in which we think about things, then he says, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You'll experience his plan for your life. You see, it says here that you and I will be transformed. It doesn't say, hey, you'll get a little bit better. You'll feel a little bit better. No, he says here, he says, when you and I fully embrace God's truth and we allow it to become part of our thinking, our mind, we will be completely transformed. We will be completely changed because if we don't, an unhealed hurt becomes the filter for everything you and I hear and experience. You wanna know why you can't get along with people? Because you haven't dealt with that. You know why you're on your third marriage? Because of that right there. You know why you're constantly in conflict? Because what happens is you filter everything through that hurt. And God wants to bring healing and wholeness to you and me. And so for that to happen, I have to manage my mind because the battleground for me, the battleground for you is your mind. And so I, I have to manage my mind. And you say, Dwight, why should I manage my mind? Or why is it a must that I manage my mind? Well, my thoughts control my life. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. You and I cannot act inconsistently with how we think. And if you have good thoughts, you're gonna have a good life. 
If you have bad thoughts, you're gonna have a bad life. If you have sick thoughts, you're gonna have a sick life. If you have sinful thoughts, you're gonna have a sinful life. And so we have to understand, I have to manage my mind. There's thousands and thousands of thoughts that have gone through my mind this past week. And I have to manage them. If I'm going to be able to handle the emotional waves that come at me, Proverbs says it like this, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You see, we control what we eat, we control what we drink, but we don't always control what we allow in our minds. And scripture teaches you and I that it always starts in the mind. It always starts with a thought. If you don't think it, it doesn't happen. If you're not thinking about it, you won't behave in that way. And so your mind is where every battle is fought. Your mind is where every temptation starts. You know that I battle with fear. Guess where it starts? It starts in my mind. Anxiousness, it starts in my mind. Being stressed out, it starts in my mind. It's all in my mind. Your mind is the battleground for where all of this is, is, is fought, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. And this is why it's so important that you and I manage our thoughts so that we can handle the emotional waves of life. And this battle's intense. I'm telling you, it's intense. At least in my life, it's intense, man. It is a full-fledged war because Satan knows that if he can get in my head, if he can plant certain thoughts or ideas in my head, that what happens is he's down the road in bringing destruction and defeat in my life. And so we talked about it last week, what you focus on, you talk about. What you talk about affects your emotions and your emotions affect your behavior. And so I need to manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. You wanna change your life, change your thoughts. And then also because it is the key to peace. It's the key to peace. An undisciplined mind leads to tension. A disciplined mind leads to tranquility. An undisciplined mind leads to pressure. A disciplined mind leads to peace. An undisciplined mind leads to stress. A disciplined mind leads to serenity. An undisciplined mind leads to conflict. A disciplined mind leads to confidence. And so I have to be able to manage my mind because it's the key to peace. It's what I choose to focus on. Everything that gets your attention doesn't deserve your attention. Every thought that comes through your mind doesn't need to stay there. Paul says it like this in Romans 8, 6. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is what? Death. But if, you're, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is what? There's life and there's peace. And so this is so important. And so you and I have three choices every single day. Matter of fact, throughout the day. And these are a must if you're going to be able to, to handle the emotional waves of life. If you're gonna be emotionally healthy, if you're gonna be mentally healthy, you and I must make these three choices continually, every single day. Matter of fact, I would even say this. I would say that I have to make these throughout the day, multiple times. And here's the first one. I have to fill my mind with truth. Constantly, I have to fill my mind with truth. Jesus said it like this, you shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free from what? Your fear, from stress, from anxiety. It's soul food. And what is the truth? It's this right here. It's God's word. I, I have to be in this. I have to get this in me. 
And every single day, I need to be able to fill my mind with truth. You can know a lot of things that are, that are true, but the fact of the matter is they don't set you free. There's only one truth that ultimately sets you and I free, and it's the truth that's found in God's word. It's the truth that's found in the person of Jesus Christ. The psalmist writes this, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That's God's word. And who meditates on his law, what? Day and night. You see, see, listen, too many of us have more Fox News and CNN News in our head than we do God's truth. Y'all okay on that one? No wonder no wonder we're in the state that we're in. No wonder we're torn apart because that creates chaos, that creates confusion. He says that person who meditates upon God's word day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, what? Prosper. And so I need to fill my mind with truth every single day, every single day. I need to take this and I need to just drink it. Every single day. And, and, and sometimes I need to do it multiple times throughout the day because of what's going on in my head and to be able to successfully manage the thoughts and the attacks that are coming to me. The psalmist writes this. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. That's God's word restoring and refreshing the soul. And we learned last week that the soul is, is, is the central part of who you and I are. It's, it's where we make decisions. It's where we think. It's the control center of our life. And so I need to be able to fill my mind with truth. And I need to do it with God's word because what happens is it refreshes me. It reminds me of who God is and his love for me and that he's ultimately in control and that he has a plan for me. It restores my soul because an unhealthy soul leads to unhealthy emotions. And so I need to fill my mind with truth. And then I need to eliminate destructive thoughts. Anybody here ever have destructive thoughts? Man, I have them all the time. They just bombard me. And this is not easy. This is hard. L listen, if you're not intentional, your destructive thoughts will destroy you. If, if I told you the thoughts that I've had this past week that wanted to destroy me, my marriage, my family, and the people that I love, you'd want to lock me up. We said, dude, we, we, we got to do something with you. But the fact of the matter is you've had them too. And this is hard. Why? Because listen, Satan is going to fight you every single day, every single day. And these fights come through three things. First of all, my own flesh, my own flesh. And you say, what do you mean by flesh? Flesh thinks about the white. Flesh does not think about God. Okay. Have you ever done things you never wanted to do? Those self-defeating behaviors? Yeah, that's your flesh. You see, listen, I don't have to believe everything that I think. I don't have to believe everything that I feel because my flesh lies to me. Just because you feel something doesn't mean that it's true because your mind, my mind, your emotions, my emotions often lies to us. And so I need to challenge those thoughts so that I can eliminate them. Like this, nobody likes me. Is that really true, Dwight? 
I'm not going to get better. Is that true, Dwight? You can't handle this time in your life, Dwight. It's too overwhelming. It's eating your lunch. Is that true? My life is worthless. Is that true? You see, you need to ask that question over and over and over again because the first enemy is me. The second enemy is Satan. And, 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 and he's gonna come and he's gonna, he's gonna place all kinds of thoughts that he wants to lodge in your mind and my line, mind in this. And yet here's what I want you to understand. If you know Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins, the leader of your life, if he is in your life, if you are surrendered to him, then greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you know that Satan cannot force you to do anything? He can't force you to do anything. He can tempt you. And so we need to learn how to manage and discipline our mind so that we will not allow him to do that because he will constantly place negative, destructive thoughts in your mind and in my mind. And he will begin the moment that you wake up. He will meet you there. They don't like you. Dwight, what you're talking about this morning does not make a bit of sense to anybody who's listening to you. You're a failure. You're going crazy, Dwight. You know what, God's so disappointed in you. When are you gonna get your act together? These are things that all of us battle with and I have to eliminate, they're not, I gotta challenge them. Is that really true? God, is, is this really how you feel about me? So we have to be able to do that and then the world system, it's the world's values. And the world's values is, is opposite of what God wants for you and me. And the world's value is where you and I become more concerned with our image than our integrity, how we're perceived. And, and, and so you have to eliminate those destructive thoughts. Here's what John says. John says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. Have you noticed that there's nothing around you that encourages you to live a disciplined life? Nothing encourages you and me. And so how do we do this? Well, Paul says it this way. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapons of the world is deception, lying, okay? Our weapons have divine power to demolish the strongholds. We demolish any and every argument and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, against truth. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He says that we are in a battle for our thoughts. It's a mental battle. This, these are the emotional waves that hits you and me. And he said, they can become strongholds. And you say, Dwight, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that I believe. I believe. And all lies come from Satan. And anytime I believe a lie about God, about myself, about the future, about the past, about the present, about anything, then what happens is that becomes a stronghold in my life. And that becomes the filter 
Worry can be a stronghold. Depression can be a stronghold. Pride can be a stronghold. Envy can be a stronghold. All of that can be a stronghold. And he says, you take thought, you take captive every thought and you make it obedient to Christ. You bring it into submission to what? To God's word. You fill your mind with truth. And then finally, here's the last one. That is, that is this. We focus on the right things. We focus on the right things. This is so, so important. You can only focus on one thing at a time. One thing at a time. Look at what Paul writes. He says, he says this here. He says, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything of any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things that you have learned and seen and heard in me, do these things and the God of what? Peace will be with you. So we've got to focus on the right thing. And so let me wrap up with this. We need to focus on Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. We need to focus on others and not ourselves. And ultimately, we need to focus on eternity. To think about the bigger picture, the larger picture, not just the snapshot that we find ourselves in. So today, God wants to help you. He gives you and I an invitation to come to him. All who are weary and heavy laden, all who are stressed out, all who are anxious, all who are overwhelmed, all who are depressed, all who are defeated, all who wants to throw in the towel. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. You will find hope in me by filling your mind with truth, by eliminating those destructive thoughts and by focusing on what is right and true. Would you pray with me? The band's gonna come and they're going to lead us in a song and I, I want you just to be open. I want you to just say, Jesus, I come, I'm broken. There's some things in my life that I have never accepted. And today I, I wanna have the courage to accept it even though it's a hard pill to swallow. And God, I, I, I wanna grieve over that which I didn't receive or maybe that which was done to me, that lost. Maybe my childhood, maybe my innocence, maybe a job, but I wanna grieve. And then God, I, I wanna fill my mind and my life with your truth, that you love me, that you're for me, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, that you can take all things and work them for your good. And I want to eliminate these destructive thoughts that lead me down to a path that overwhelms me. And so help me to focus on that which is right and good and true. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've won for us. And we celebrate it today in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.